Welcome to the Captain Bagrat podcast, where we're on a mission to fight boring news about Asia and Australia. You know, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it with a finger on the Asian, well, Asianish pulse. As always, we're recording from downtown Chinatown with yours truly, the mythical Madam Chan and friends. Sawadika, Opa Adam, how are you going? Ah, oh, very good. We've got a little bit of Thai today. Yeah, I love Thai. <laughs> Everybody loves a bit of Thai. Yeah, I think Thailand's like the one of the countries that I've been to the most out of my all my Asian trips, and I just love it there every time. Yeah, it's good. Ticks all the boxes. <laughs> yeah, great food. I love the mango sticky rice there. Yeah. Oh, there's that place up the road that you can get that as well. Yeah. Like on the side of the street, like out the front of the restaurant, they do mango sticky rice, like oh, takeaway. Oh, yeah. Oh, what's it called? Like chat Thai or something? Yeah, chat Thai or Tuk Tuk Thai. I can't remember. Yeah. No, it's chat Thai, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do some great desserts over there. Oh, so good. <laughs> and today, what do we have for uh, Unexpected Asia? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about TikTok and a new trend that's uh, emerging on TikTok across oh, Asia. Oh, exciting. I'm excited. Yeah. And then in Ponder Ponders, I'm going to ask you... Why does Australia have so many different types of football? <laughs> yeah. There's at least five or six. Yeah, maybe more. <laughs> oh, oh well, we're going to delve into that, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. For Secret Asians, um, I have a person... Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do this as a quiz. I think last couple of times we've done it as a quiz, but I think this time we'll just do it as a... You know, this is a life story of this person. Okay, and I um, will definitely do it as a quiz <laughs> just to get back at you. Oh, okay. All right, fair enough. <laughs> More of that later. So first up in Unexpected Asia. So tell me, why the TikTok? Oh, okay. So TikTok, there's this new song that's been taking over TikTok, like particularly in Asia. And it's a song called Shui Ha Piao Piao. Did, uh-huh. I, did I say that right? Uh, is it Xue Hua Piao Piao? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which means um, snowflake just gliding slowly down, drifting down. Yeah, so for, for Chinese or Taiwanese people, um, you know, of a certain age, so probably in their late 30s, maybe early 40s, um, they would have remembered this song. It was a Taiwanese pop song mm-hmm. in the 80s. And, um, but for TikTok users, it's this latest meme kind of thing. So it's this kind of like melancholic, melancholic sort of love ballad style song. And it's like talking about the, the singer's like undying love for the blossoming plum tree in the middle of winter. So very, very, very emotional. Oh yeah. And, um, back in, back in January, uh, a Chinese actor, um, Zhang Aiquin, posted a 10 second video of himself yeah. like singing that main sort of um, theme of the of the song and while you know he's not that popular but he's sort of like been in a few he's kind of like a B B grade kind of Chinese actor but he's got this really unique kind of appearance like he's got a shaved head but it kind of looks like an egg like a huge <laughs> an egg head <laughs> yeah it's like this huge egg so he um, he's got this um, nickname uh, called duck egg and on <laughs> On, on TikTok in China, he calls himself Brother Egg. Uh, <laughs> I love he's so honest about himself. But, yeah, I look like an egg. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it's, so he started this by like singing this song and he posted it. Um, and it's it, I think he posted it on TikTok and a lot of people did memes and stuff about it. But it's actually in Scandinavia, it's gone up to number one on the Spotify viral top 50. Are you kidding me? <laughs> in Norway, Sweden and Finland. 
Well, there's a lot of snow in those countries. So yeah, and the, it's relatable. It's, but it's just so weird. Like, so the video has been um, viewed more than 3.2 million times. All right. And um, I'll just pay you a quick excerpt. So yeah, you yeah, can yeah. Hear I want to hear it. it. It's quite, it's quite funny. I'll show you. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> He does have an egghead. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of really makes me wonder how his mom felt when she popped him out with an egghead like that. <laughs> yeah, and then it, yeah. Anyway, the the video that I've, I've I'm watching um, has had over four point three million views, wow. and it's like um, then it goes on to play the whole song. On top of that, so he's become he's kind of become this like figure. character, yeah. Yeah, because I tried to find that when you told me that you were doing Shuhua Piao Piao, I searched on TikTok, and all I could find were baked bean baked beans equivalent yeah, me, me, memes and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what is going on? With Who this is this dude? Dude. <laughs> and over to Bhutan. Oh yes, you yeah. had some news on Bhutan, yeah, right? Yeah, it's about food. So a couple in Bhutan are the first to have a food truck. So for a lot of people who don't know where Bhutan is, it's kind of like where between India and China and it is the land of scenic mountains in the Himalayas obviously yeah yeah a lot of a lot of Buddhist festivals so you know just think of it's think of your utopia like going for trails there's natural goats, wildlife absolutely and... yeah snow-capped mountains yeah you know that the dream the place you'd want to ride a horse off into the distance. into the distance yeah yeah yeah, with some Sherpas and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it took him 1.5 years for this couple to get a food truck license from the government because it's <laughs> a concept that they've never had before. Yeah. <laughs> so Bhutan is like one of these countries that is so pristine and they don't have commercialized franchises. So they don't have McDonald's, yeah. they don't have yeah. all the like Starbucks and yeah. everything that we know. Yeah. Um, so instead, this food truck is the first one to do like tacos, hot dogs, democracy sausage, Pork buns. <laughs> democracy sausage. Yeah. How do you like your how do you like your sausage? I'll have the democracy one. I couldn't believe it when I saw the pictures of their menu. I was just like, wow, that is Australian democracy e sausage. Equal opportunity sausage. <laughs> For everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's so hip because they're also using um, sustainable uh, packaging oh, over yeah. in Bhutan. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're very conscious when it comes to waste as yeah, well. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So the locals, so like the bamboo straws and yeah, things like that. Yeah, so you know, I think it's going to be great. It's going to be the new hipster country of the world. I wonder how this like this whole thing like emerged. Whether a couple of like Bhutanese dudes like went down on a little holiday and they came across that. What's this food truck phenomenon that's going on? Like <laughs> we're used to we used to street food and street markets. Yeah. Like maybe we need to take this home. <laughs> Maybe we need to drive around the country and give everyone democracy sausages. Yeah, like, and having the van means that you're not, like, restricted to one place. <laughs> so democracy sausages for all. That's right. Oh, it's so good. I, I really like this idea. And then the fact that they've done Western food as well, like, because that must be quite unique in itself, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that you have, like, shops which sell, you know, our particular countries. But yeah. this is the first time that they've combined American, Australian, and, and Asian food as well, all yeah. in one truck that they can go around the country. Yeah, how very innovative. Totally. Good, good on them. I wish them best of luck. <laughs> what about you? Do you have uh, another news? Um, yeah, I do. Um, so it's it's difficult to do an episode without any Korea-related news. But <laughs> Oh, my God, um, not North Korea. Oh no, 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 this is South Korea. So <laughs> so South Korea has ranked third in, um, in the OECD index to look at women's life expectancy. Oh, really? So third in the world. That's and pretty high. So, you know, Korean women that are born today 
a forecast to live on average of 85.7 years, mm. which is higher than the US, Germany, or the UK. Okay. So like huge life expectancy. Why is um, that? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I think, well, they always say that there's like three, there's three sexes in Korea, right? There's like male, uh-huh. female, uh-huh. and then there's ajuma, which means like middle-aged woman. And <laughs> usually these like the ajuma is like the head of the household, responsible for the looking after the children, sorting out all the family finances, keeping the husband in check. That's like totally all of those... different to what I was going to guess. I was that LGBT crowd. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, like it's she's like the third sex. She's like she's part female, but she's also part masculine and really sort of like dominating in the family. The matriarch. And yeah, yeah, exactly. That matriarch sort of sort of figure. And um, anyway, that probably, you know, even though it's just a sort of saying, it, it's probably got some truth to it. And and a lot of the, um, you know, the the, the elder Koreans uh, today live through the Korean War. So mm-hmm. if they're over, if they're aged over 60, 65, um, chances are they've lived through the Korean War with the hardships mm. and the famine and all of the stuff that came after that, and I think that's probably what contributes through to that, you know, that resilience and that sort of um, real sort of determination to live. Mm. Anyway, however, the the aging population is a huge problem in Korea, just as it is in Japan and yeah. a lot of countries across Asia. And it um, the the number of people that are, that living over eighty is anticipated to approach two million people by twenty twenty one. So 2 million people over the age of 80, which puts a huge burden back on society to look after them because they don't have a very strong kind of like social welfare system, mm. like for pensions and things like that. So and less and less people are having children, right? Yeah, yeah. The, I think the um, I think the reproduction rate in Korea is something like 0.8 or something. It's, yeah. it's, it's very low. Um, so you're not getting this younger generation of people coming through that can look after the grandparents. And, and that's the other thing, right? Like, so when we, you know, in Western culture, we think, you know, grandparents are fine, but we'll put them in a home and someone else will look after them. But the expectation mm. in a lot of Asian cultures is that the younger generations look after the grandparents as sort of payback for them. Yeah, that's right. Raising raising them. Yeah, it's quid um, pro quo. <laughs> yeah, and, and so there isn't really this infrastructure or, or the health system to really look after them. So this is this could be a, a, a big problem. And, and um, Korea's entered one of these... Um, uh, what they call a super age society. So by 2024, mm. um, over 20% of the population will be aged over 65. And so this is a problem for countries like Japan, Germany, um, but also some some other European companies like Italy and Sweden and mm. France who countries. have, you know, yeah. quite um, a lot of um, aging society as well. So, yeah, I guess um, li- a longer life expectancy is great, mm. but how are we going to look after them you know, in and who's going to care for them and fund them and clean and bathe and feed and feed. all that sort of stuff. And yeah. their happiness level as well. Yeah, the yeah, happiness, happiness level index. Is, yeah, 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 it's important. That's right. So I'm going to take you back to Bhutan. Back <laughs> my, to Bhutan. My, 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 my utopia country and the happiest country in the world. Um, so Bhutan, the land uh, where the happiness index was conceived, because you know how uh, the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has been pushing for the happiness index. Okay. The gross national happiness, uh, which has oh, been to adopted have it as a rating, as a rating instead of using okay. GDP, and it's also being um, approved, well, yeah, promoted as well um, through the UN. But yeah. Bhutan was the country that came up with the uh, concept. Really? Yeah. So that the your happiness as a community is its economic product. So they care more about that than obviously commercialization. And capitalism. That's good. But yep. they have food trucks now, so that makes a difference. My happiness index would raise incredibly 
if you with went to the Bhutan. With yeah, <laughs> living in Bhutan and having access to a food truck with democracy sausage. <laughs> Who doesn't love democracy sausage? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, they, apart from, you know, coming up with the happiness index, Bhutan was also a trailblazer when it came to banning plastic. So they yeah. banned plastic as a whole country back in April 1999. Wow. That That's was a long ages time ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. And I think maybe they relaxed the laws and they've had like a bit of commercialization come in, you know, with yeah. supermarkets. It's just much sure. easier with plastic. Um, but last year, they apparently reintroduced the law. And so now you'll actually get fined if you use plastic bags or Ooh, plastic cutlery, like plastic this. anything. Yeah. Bhutan leading the world. That's right. Putting fines on everyone. So for your first offense, you get fined 500 and you, I'm not even going to attempt to say how to say that, uh-huh. <laughs> their currency, but that's about like 10 bucks in Australian. Okay. Yeah. and then Which second, is probably quite a lot, right? Yeah, it is quite a lot. Taking in, yeah, comparative earnings and all that sort of that's stuff. That's right. And then second time you get fined 20 bucks. And then if you continue to violate and use plastic bags, apparently uh, it's a cancellation of your business license. And Ouch. Yeah, I know. It's pretty tough. Ouch. Yeah. And so, you know, they're definitely leading in the way of the hipster movement. So if they're not, yeah, yeah, if they're not using plastic, what, I know you mentioned like the bamboo cutlery and things like that. What, what are they, what are they using? Um, They're using a a product called the Arica Nut Leaf. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty much like a big palm tree. um, And then they use that to make um, sort of uh, wood wood kind of uh, forks and yeah, yep. yeah plates. So ones that you see at all the hipster joints in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Food trucks there as well. So that's what they're using instead. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. This is really cool. <laughs> and what? how did this obsession of Bhutan like kind of come about? <laughs> uh, it came about when I was a little bit younger and I was watching um, SBS uh, on a documentary about the Bhutan football team and the Australian Socceroos. Okay. Um, yeah, having their pre-qualifying rounds for the World Cup in both countries. Okay, they did like an exchange thing for yeah. like preparations for the World Cup. Yeah, and, and you get to see the Australian team go to Bhutan and that's when I was like, this is just a magical land. It's just pure, pure it's like something utopia. out of a movie, right? Totally. Which this now brings us to the question of ponder, ponder. Ponder, ponders, yes. Yes, yes. So I was pondering, why does Australia have so many types of football? <laughs> There's at least six that I can mention. <laughs> so true. C- can I rattle them off and then you can yeah. try and explain to me the difference between them? Yeah, okay. Okay, so um, AFL, NRL, Rugby Union, Soccer, Gridiron, Gaelic Football. Have I missed any? Mm, <laughs> gridiron is American football, isn't it? Yeah, but in Australia, uh, people play these sports and they're quite yeah. common in suburbs and yeah. city as well. Yeah, and like, and soccer is a big one too. Like, yeah. I think that's kind of an emerging form of football in Australia, particularly over the last like four or five years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think part of the reason that we have so many different codes of football is well, we're an equal, we're, we're a multinational com- country, right? Com- I think it's a company. company. <laughs> multinational country. We welcome people from all, you know, walks of life. Yes. And, the football codes have kind of become, they've grown very organically. Like um, they're quite territorial as well. And mm. in some ways, maybe even a little bit classist. Mm. So I like, I think a lot of people become affiliated with a code of football depending on where they grew up. 
and possibly what school they went to. Okay. Um, and in Australia, there's there's quite a big crossover between rugby union and rugby league. Mm. Like they're quite similar in yeah, terms of the code. Yeah, I get confused when I watch those too. Like the players are similar physiques and they're quite high contact kind of sports. Um, slight differences in like the tackling and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but, um, but very, very similar. And you see, you see players like jump between codes as well. Yeah. That's, that's not un, uncommon. Because I also see with AFL players compared to uh, the rugby league and union that mm. they seem to be taller, leaner, and they can jump yeah. higher. Yeah. Well, AFL doesn't have that contact, right? So they don't yeah. do that. They don't tackle each other. Like you, you catch the ball and mm. you take a mark or you, you know, you run for it with six steps and then you bounce it. And, and the field know. is circular. Yeah. Or, or it's, oval like an o- it's like an yeah. oval um, and really pop like, so, so AFL is really popular in the Southern and Western States. Mm. So Victoria, South Australia to a degree and Western Australia. Um, although Sydney does have a, a team as well. Um, but yeah, more so, I think Victoria is really the home of, of AFL. AFL. Yeah. Um, but there's an interesting difference between AR, AFL and NRL, mm-hmm. so league and Australian Football League. Okay. And um, so the AFL, all the teams are from metropolitan areas, mm-hmm. whereas with um, the National Rugby League, NRL, um, 40% of the codes are actually based in regional areas. Okay. So that probably gives a little bit more diversity and a bit more coverage and... Just um, maybe if it's been played in some regional schools as well, it mm. gives people more of an impetus to, to follow it and watch watch the games. Um, so rug- yeah, rugby league is kind of known as the battler. It's you know it's a it's a bottom up sort of sport with grassroots supporters so kind of like and blue collar worker. Yeah, a little yeah, a little it. bit yeah, and um, you know some of the values that sort of um, rugby league sort of stands for is like resilience and tenacity and. You know, it's a real sort of blokes game kind of State thing. State of origin as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and um, you know, very popular in New South Wales and Queensland and starting to make a bit of a push into um, the Gold Coast kind of area. But not so big in Asia, right? Not, not yeah. so big in Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, although they do play rugby league in um, Europe as well, mm. in France and, and the UK. And I think Ireland has rugby league teams as well. Okay. So they do have a world rugby league um, so championships. They haven't quite got into Asia Not, mm, compared to rugby union. Because I think rugby union, you've got like Super Rugby World Cup, which was just held in Japan, I think, last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the first time it was um, held in an Asian country. Yeah. And the Japanese are really good at rugby union, yeah. by the way. Like they can run <laughs> really fast and particularly... Um, the rugby sevens. Yeah. So Japan, like always, you know, features in top five teams, like worldwide in, in rugby sevens. Yeah. And Eddie Jones, who is half Japanese, he coaches uh-huh. the English team. He does. Yeah. yeah. He did coach the Australian team. That's right. Then uh, maybe even New Zealand at one stage. I think so and, as well, yeah. yeah and and um, South Africa. South Africa. Yeah. I think yeah. he... Yeah, but oh, rugby union in Australia is just a terrible, <laughs> yeah, terrible state at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 also a terrible state because I could not stop looking at cauliflower ears. Apparently, that's something that you can get from rugby union and rugby you, league. Yeah, if you're if you're a front rower or you're in the Ford pack, like, and you're you know you're scrummaging and you've got you know arms and bodies and legs and boots and everything like yeah. that. And um, Your yeah, ears it makes are it, it, yeah, they between. sort of turn to like callousy sort of, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, so I couldn't stop looking at that. Uh, but the but the um the commonalities between Union League and AFL is that they all have an egg shaped ball. They do, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, something made out of 
animal skin. And skin. Yeah. yeah. But I feel um, AFL has a bigger presence in Asia. Um, when I was wor working over there, uh, yeah. they had uh, actual like, uh, city teams as well as uh, Asian teams. So it, it's quite a, quite a sports diplomacy over there. Yeah, okay. Uh, so they have a dedicated website and it's like 40 plus Asian teams. And the names are pretty cool. Hear this. Yeah. Malaysian Warriors, Thailand yeah. Tigers, Hong Kong Dragons, Bali Geckos. Beijing Bombers, Singapore Wombats, and Wombats. <laughs> wombats, yeah. Wombats. <laughs> and we got Macau Lightning, Lao Elephants. The list goes on. Wow. <laughs> and for women's team as well. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I'd like to see the Thailand Tigers versus the, the Lao Elephants. Oh, I know. Or the Guangzhou Scorpions. Ooh, watch out. Are these expat teams or these are like local? I think there's a mix of expat yeah. teams and they um, get the locals involved yeah, as okay. well. Yeah, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's, you know, real sports diplomacy, spreading the love of Across uh, diversity. Asia. Exactly. I like it. And then another team, Cologne, so perfume for sale. What? Yeah. I know, totally random. They're really affordable. They're like $14.99 or reduced to nearly five bucks. And so you can smell like your favorite team. Really? Wow. This is like, I'm, I'm guessing this has come out of Victoria. Yeah. And um, Colling the Collingwood fragrance has the most reviews. And they're all about, this is a great present for my dad. Oh my God. Yeah, I smell good for like the teen, teenage <laughs> guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> smell of victory. Where, yeah. where there's a marketing opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but in Asia, I think the biggest sport, like you said, is soccer. Well, we call it soccer yeah. in Australia and yeah. US, but uh, they actually call it proper football, yeah. which is over in Europe as well, which yeah. is the round ball and it's black and white. Yeah, that's right. And it um, so soccer's got quite a good um, grassroots sort of program in Australia as mm. well. So like, you know, we, we used to play soccer when we were in primary school and they have like the local leagues and stuff. And, you know, when, even from like, you know, when you're sort of five or six years old, I think was the youngest team. We used to play on the Avalon under six, under six teams. And like, you've got all the, the dads on the sideline yelling like, you're going the wrong way, turn around. And like, <laughs> it's, it's a funny sport, but yeah, soccer has got this, um, this great sort of induction program. Um, it's great for school kids and the, with the weekend leagues and stuff. And then now the Super A-League is, is, is quite popular in, not Super A-League, yeah. it's just A-League. A-League. A-League um, soccer in Australia is very popular There might be well. a Super A-League soon. <laughs> yeah, who, know, who, who knows? <laughs> and then obviously there's the World Cup, which is every four years. And yep. I have a story. So we used to know this guy from work uh, who used to be an international referee, so part of the World Cup. Okay. Um, and he got to touch David Beckham, hmm. who was a god back then. He, he touched his <laughs> claim to fame. And he actually told people this, I was that he touched... <laughs> David De Beckham. Okay, they was probably it shook hands. Was Look it consensual or like? <laughs> I think it was. I think they just shook hands, but we took it as, oh my God, you touched David Beckham. So we gave him a nickname, I Beckham. Should, I shall never wash this hand again. <laughs> Actually, one of the girls, she didn't want to wash, wash her hand the entire day because she's like, I just touched the hand that touched David Beckham. Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> oh, well, you know, women in their 20s. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's also gridiron in Australia, which is American football. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is a, a completely different set of rules where you wear a lot of gear. Yeah. And helmets. And, and probably one of the only sports that actually stops for commercial breaks. <laughs> oh, that's So right. they play short 15 minutes, like... <laughs> quarters in order to stop for a whole heap of commercials not just super bowl like this is yeah. any american football game isn't that incredible <laughs> uh in america mm -hmm. and then there's one more which is um gaelic football 
Okay. Which I did some research, and um, apparently it has heritage from the Irish, and yep. they use a white volleyball. So this is a round ball. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently you can carry it, you can kick it, you can hand pass it, you can bounce it. It's like no rules. Really? It's like it's like the Muay Thai of... Yeah, ball, 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 ball. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. I know. So for all of our listeners, so what can we sum up for them? That Australia is a multicultural sporting nation yeah. as well as, you know, collective heritages. We yep. celebrate. We're a melting pot for everything. The food here is amazing too, everyone. Come to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess Gaelic football and soccer, they use round balls. They do, yeah. yeah. And then American football, AFL... Rugby Union and Rugby League, they use an egg-shaped ball. Yeah, kind of an egg-shaped, yeah. There you go. And then the difference with AFL is they use an oval, not a rectangle. Shape. Shape. Yeah, yeah, for the field. I think that's the simplest way we can put <laughs> football in Australia. Without drawing a picture. <laughs> that's right. Would you consider lacrosse as another football? Uh, nah. <laughs> We're going to rule that out. All right, let's go and find out some secret Asians, Asian-ish for this week. What's the password? Captain Bagrat. Come in. Yes, I've got a good one. Oh, yes, go for it. You want me to go first? Yes, yes, yes. you go first. All right, so my secret Asian for this week is Tiger Woods. Ooh, controversial. Yeah, controversial. But Tiger Woods, um, he comes from quite a diverse family. So his dad, um, his father was named Earl, and uh, he's mostly African-American. Mm-hmm but he's also a little bit Caucasian and also a cross of Native American and Chinese. Wow. Interesting. Tiger Woods is Chinese? He's got a little bit of Chinese. And then his mother, um, Kultida Tida, Mm -hmm. um, she is Thai, Chinese and Dutch. Wow. He's um, got quite a blend. (laughs) So let's put that together again. Mm African-American, Caucasian, Native American... Chinese, Thai, and Dutch. That's pretty multicultural. <laughs> so he is like a combination of the best of everything in this world. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so Tiger Woods was born in Cyprus, California. Um, the in, country in, Cyprus? In the US of A, yeah. Um, he was a bit of a child prodigy, actually, when it came to, to golf. And his, um, his dad was quite athletic and was a member of the, the Navy. So he used to take him to the local, um, the local course. And um, his father was also like a single-digit handicapped golfer. And anyway, um, so the Tiger's family um, was very closely related to the to the military, and they used to play at this joint forces training base in Los Almitos. Mm-hmm. And um, they allowed him to play there, even though he was quite young. So at um, at age three, Tiger shot a forty-eight over nine holes at the Navy course. Means nothing to me, but I'm guessing that's pretty 40, good. <laughs> if, if I got 48, I'd be pretty happy. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> yep. Um, and then in 1978, he putted against the comedian Bob Hope in a television appearance on the Mike Douglas show. Mm-hmm. At age five, he appeared in Golf Digest on ABC's That's Incredible. Then he went on to beat his dad when he was 11 years old. And that's when his dad just sort of like threw Came in the up. towel and said, that's it. Like, I'm never going to beat you again. You're <laughs> better than me. Kid beat me. <laughs> yeah, beaten by an 11-year-old. Um, he's got this killer, the killer drive. 
Yeah, so um, yeah, Tiger Woods. That's that's some of his um, his background and early childhood years. Wow, that's really interesting stuff. I did not expect all of that from Tiger Woods. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's yeah. What a what a multicultural guy. I know. Good on you for being who, part Asian. Who, who have you got for your secret Asian? Well, I'm going to make you suffer. Oh man. Yeah, I'm going to make you try and guess this. I'm going to give you some clues. How about that? All right. This all sounds right. hard already. Okay. So I was born in Taipei, Taiwan. On 25th of August, 1978. Okay. Uh, when I was eight years old, my family and I immigrated to the US. When it was eight. Okay. okay. Yep. So, Taiwanese. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, my wife is Korean. Her name is Park Ji-hoon, um, but she's also known as Jamie Chen. And she works okay. at Google Korea in product marketing. Okay. Yep. I was once employed at PayPal. And I met all my uh, startup co-founders, mm. Chad Hurley and Jawood Karim there. Come on, hit the buzzer when At you're ready. At PayPal? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, I know who this is. <laughs> okay, so I was also an early employee at Facebook, but I left several months later to start this awesome startup. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was awarded the Order of Lincoln, which is the state's highest order by the governor of Illinois in 2018. Yeah. Okay. And in 2006, uh, I, my mates and I, we sold our startup product to Google Inc. for 1.65 billion dollars. Yeah. This is the this is the um, <laughs> the YouTube guy, right? Yes. Someone Chan. Yes. What's his name? Stephen Chan. Stephen Chan. You use YouTube today. <laughs> yeah, I did. I um, I actually saw him talk in Singapore. Oh, like a long time me? ago. Yeah. In they, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, they had him come in and talk to all the advertising dudes about YouTube and how he's, you know, why he sold to Google and yeah. how they came up with the concept. Why did he and sell all to that. Google? I don't know. Like, I think he just, he was like, we've taken this business as far as we can take it. Mm. And Google's going to give us the opportunity and the funding and the yeah. network and everything to take it to the next level. So that was their kind of rationale for sending. I mean, 1.65 um, billion is quite a lot of money, you know. Yeah, but um, <laughs> they also had a they had some sort of earnout clause, so they had they stayed with the company, but yeah. it was just the access that it was going to give them. Oh, absolutely. Was more than just the money, yeah, to to then be able to build the the business to what it is today. Yeah, and the last piece of information I was going to give you is that I founded YouTube with my mates in 2005. Yeah. But yeah. I wasn't going to say YouTube. <laughs> yeah, okay. Wow. I know, amazing Yeah, people. what an inspirational dude. Yeah, bunch of uh, amazing Asians there, Asian-ish out there. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> so I thought maybe today we could end by playing cards against humanity. Okay. Yeah, so how about you select one card for me, yep. and then I will select one for you, and then we say the first thing that comes to our head. All right. All right, it's going to be funny. All right. The first thing that comes to, to your my head. head. Yep. Okay. This is going to be hilarious. Okay. What don't you want to find in your Mongolian beef? (laughs) Chicken. Chicken. (laughs) Oh, come on. I thought you were going to come up with something a bit more creative than that. Oh, Trump Jr. Trump Jr. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Oh, this is a double one. Maybe maybe I'll change it. We'll go with one liner. Okay. Something easy. Something easy. That's right. Today on Jerry Springer... Help, my son is... Trump Jr. <laughs> <laughs> it was there. It was in the top of my mind. It was too easy not to use it. <laughs> that would be pretty horrific. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thanks very much for a great game. 
<laughs> yeah, nice work, Madam Chan. <laughs> nice work, Offer Adam. Until next time. Bye. Bye, Hagrad out. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For the latest updates and kooky posts, follow us at Captain Bagrat on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you love it as much as Captain Bagrat and we do, please support us with likes and shares. If you're really digging Captain Bagrat, it does cost us a bit to produce, and we really appreciate donations and in-kind contributions via Patreon or however you like. I mean, we will never say no to be a sponsorship. Your support will bring us one step closer to having our own TV show one day and to live broadcast it from the heart of downtown Chinatown. Solid. <laughs>